When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I need to talk at some point, don't I? <laughs> and cue Jimmy. Go. Hi. Uh, the welcome to the Supreme Resort. Welcome to the Supreme Resort. Okay. Like, like, podcast about Disneyland about this world, which is the Supreme Resort. I'm Jimmy. Each, no, not yet. Each okay. episode, we will discuss and explore each resort ride by ride, land by land, CEO named Bob by CEO named Bob to determine which is better. I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me on this quest to help the greater good of humanity answer this long, elusive question, why did they put Bob Chapek in place as CEO, and why was he ultimately unceremoniously replaced by his predecessor? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's a very Merry Christmas <laughs> for so many of us, especially those at the Walt Disney Company, and it's our 69th episode. <laughs> and since reversal of sorts is required in that number, we thought it would be appropriate to discuss the reversal of leadership of the Walt Disney Company. Joining me, as always, is Dan. Hi, I'm Dan. If anyone wants to buy a domain uh, called chapexshirt.com, feel free to email me. It's dan at earspodcast.com. All proceeds go to charity. And Eric. Do we need an Iger shirt? There's, there's probably not a reason to have an igershirt.com. People, people when, I, when I, I, so I went to the, I went to the Disneyland, actually. I had planned on going. Like the day and I, I got there the day before the announcement was made. I have my bags packed. I had like all my JPEG shirts like ready to go. <laughs> the announcement's made. And it's like, I guess I'm retiring the shirts on this trip. <laughs> and people kept asking me like, what, what you, what's the next thing going to be? It's like, I would love to have to feel like I don't have to troll this company and just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so <right>. we'll see. <laughs> well, maybe you keep JPEGshirt.com just for legacy. All proceeds still go to charity, but maybe the shirts become more, you know, positive. Like what? Is there nothing know. positive to say? But I Iger. miss JPEG. <laughs> no, no I, you, you both know how little I like extra work. So if yeah, there's nothing fair. to do and I'm not inspired, the whole thing started with, wouldn't it be funny to wear the shirt to the park? Oh, I'm going to go to Tee Public and pay too much to get the shirt made for myself. And then all of mm -hmm. a sudden, like, hey, maybe people will want one, too. And maybe I can give the proceeds to charity, which I think we've raised twenty three gotten dollars. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for your support. Most, most of it from me. <laughs> my shirt's from my son. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what. Um, we have... A lot of new listeners, uh, be it from Eric being on Ears Up, be it from Tag and some of the other various uh, guests we've had. We're coming up pretty soon. We're going to have um, Jack Plotnick on the show. And if you don't know who that is, Google, excuse me, go on YouTube, search for Jack Plotnick Disney. That's P-L-O-T-N-I-K. And uh, you'll be sure to want to listen to that episode. 
Um, uh, famed entertainment theme park journalist Carly Wiesel is coming on some point next year. Uh, so as it, whatever it is, uh, as a result, our listenership has increased 205% over the last year. Wow. That's Don't a lot say of what the starting or the finishing number is. Just I will not say what start and finish, but you we know, we've you know, more than doubled our, our listenership. And so we appreciate that. And maybe with our newfound listeners, they'll go to chapekshirt.com and buy a Chapek is kind of terrible shirt. Who knows? I don't know why they would. It would be silly to wear it this well, way. <laughs> so, change it to was. Was. Yeah. Was kind of terrible. I don't know. He I might know still be, but as the CEO of Target, I don't know. Ooh. Um, Ooh. So <laughs> I, have, I have questions. Uh, question number one, why did they put Bob Chapek in as CEO? We're um, just jumping in there, huh? I'm just, this um, a, just a question. This is not what they have. Oh, by the way, ep- listener, episode's going to be about our turn, like every other Disney vlogger, podcast, or whatever have, has given their speculation of what Bob's going to do. We're going to go into a little bit more depth about it, about kind of where, why we're here. Um, I've just reread Bob Iger's book, and I have some insights about business leadership and how it might inform how the company moves forward. Um, but it's just going to be our speculation about what we think is going to change, what's going to be reversed, if anything, and then what things are going to happen in the next two years, or is it only going to be two years, that kind of thing. So that's what the show is about. But my first legitimate question I don't know the answer to is why Bob Chapek? Is it because he was the closest person, like physically in the room? <laughs> hey, you'll do. I mean, because yeah, this I has mean, to go through board decisions and everything else. Right. Iger spent so long dragging his feet and... It, he should have been succession planning for years because that was the problem that Eisner had. And he never, he never bothered. He, I don't know if he did. Well, there were, there were multiple potential suitors. Like uh, everybody was talking about Skaggs for a while there, Mm -hmm. but it Boz Skaggs. Boz Skaggs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. He, it seemed like, he had other things to do. He had bigger plans and never really got around to the actual succession planning portion. And I can, I can say personally, it's hard to do Mm -hmm. when you've got a lot of work on your plate. You don't, no one wants to think about who's going to take my place when I go. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, can they do what I do or will they do it better? And maybe I'm threatened, whatever. Right. I think it was possibly as simple as this guy is in charge of the most profitable part of the company. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I don't fair. think put, I don't think the follow I don't think the follow up thought was, and that means he's going to do a good job. I think it was just like, and that's my justification. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and let the board figure it out. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but you're right. He was in charge of parks, resorts, experiences. That's cruise ships, theme parks. That's a lot of the the portfolio. Basically, the non movie TV stuff. Right. So it makes sense. And will they do it again? That's coming up later on. Um, but so Eric, why did they just so quickly, suddenly unceremoniously bring Iger back after countless interviews where he said absolutely unequivocally, he's not coming back as CEO of Disney. What happened? Is it Jim Cramer? (laughs) (laughs) That was it. They're like, Hey, that guy's right. Uh, No, leading up to all of this, I guess we're just diving in here. Um, leading up to this, there was a, a period where from what I've read in various um, various articles in in Money, in at the LA Times, in the Wall, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, humble brag. <laughs> I did have to get a Wall Street Journal 
subscription to read some of these. I might just, you know, <laughs> turn it off in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. We'll see. But it, the, the part of the friction that was building over a long period of time, and we, we all know that the company that that the the ground level cast members were having friction with Bob Chapek. We've we've all heard those stories, but at the executive level, things were starting to get really rough for a long time because of this division called DMED, Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution Division. Uh, this is the division that was immediately dismantled by Iger when he fired Kareem Daniel the day after he took the position as CEO again. Kareem Daniel was Chapek's right hand man. And he was the first to go. And it wasn't just because he was Chapek's right hand man. This particular division was designed by finance, by financial people to run the oh. creative divisions of the company. It, and it that, explains, that explains why uh, at the same time, like <clears throat> that wasn't public facing news necessarily. That was more right. like money. Jim Cramer kind of news. The public facing news at that time was like, we're going to go back to having creative people make creative decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just for some context, um, when, bef when Eisner was running the company, every decision was made with the strap planning group, that strategic action planning group. <clears throat> so that's how everything ran. It all had to go through this group, whether it was a creative decision, theme parks, whatever, it was all housed in this one department of people. And ultimately right. Eisner's the one that made all the decisions. What Iger did as a very smart business leader, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the book and, and sort of what informs it. There's a book called Good to Great. And I don't know if he's read it or is aware of it, but some of the concepts of leadership are find the right people, put the right people on the bus, come up with a plan and let them do the job you hired them for. And so he compartmentalized the organization. And it sounds like Iger, excuse me, Chapek went back to the Eisner way of kind of centralizing the decision-making process. So when you hear Bob Iger say like, what about the reservation system? And he says, I'm going to rely on Josh tomorrow. That's because that's his style of leadership. He says, we hired him for a reason. He's there for a reason. Let him do his job. And if he thinks it's the right thing to do, that's what we're going to do. That's now, funny. Obviously, that's that's actually like a lot of musicians that I like. That's actually how they run their recording too. It's just be like, yeah. look, I got this guitarist because I like what they do. So right. like, I let them I'm not do gonna, what they do. Just, I'm just going to press record. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the idea. And that's why some of the language you hear with Iger is just, you know, for now, I mean, it's, well, he's been gone less than a year from the True. company, you know, he's very and, familiar. And so it's, a, he knows what's going on as much as I think he may feign a little ignorance. Um, he's empowering his people to make the decisions to do the job that they were hired to do. Now, if he finds like in the case of Kareem Daniel, that isn't his model. That's not what he does. That's not how he leads an organization. That's the first thing that's going to go. So anyway, go back Eric. I just wanted to give you a little commentary from the book. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and that's really good context because that's kind of where I'm going. Iger created this particular structure and it's not necessarily siloed. But it's it's holding people accountable for the work that they were hired for. And they have very specific they have a very specific focus for which they were hired, that they have a team that they run. And this is what that team does. And that's very clear. That's that's a great way to run a business. Um, Chapek used a a similar but somewhat different framework called the ARCI framework. Um, 
It's it means accountable, responsible, consulted and informed. And essentially, every single task has to be assigned to a person, a single person. And what ended up happening is that instead of assigning department heads to hold accountability for for particular projects, it allowed people from outside of the hierarchy to come in and be the one held accountable for projects inside someone else's lane. And it led to a lot of a lot of thoughts that maybe there was going to be some restructuring. Uh, look at look at Kareem Daniel and the eventual construction of this DMED uh, division. It, this was a separate division that was designed to make some of these financial decisions. And it, it just came out of the blue. Suddenly, this completely separate division had some purview like dotted line purview over a lot of different areas and over the last few months christine mccarthy the cfo um, and chapek hired the the firm mckinsey and company to uh, to consult with disney and look at look at their their structure and find redundancies find ways to to reduce waste and make make the company run more efficiently at a little more probably a little cheaper. Right. Um, it's smart. If you have a, if you have a, an HR team with Disney, you have an HR team with Marvel, you have an HR team with Lucasfilm, whatever. It makes sense to bring those resources into one central location, AR central, yeah. AP central, just it's a lot of redundancy, right? That, exactly. I, this is a, this is going to sound like a rhetorical, but this is a legitimate question coming from somebody who I have zero business like experience. I mean, I managed this movie theater, but you know, um, <laughs> it's because it, to me, it, I feel like bringing it, having, cause the, all these divisions are giant ginormous things themselves. Wouldn't it make sense in terms of like the running of it, maybe not financially, but in terms of like running it more efficiently and better for all involved to have d those departments at each place rather than one central one. Uh, potentially. I, I mean, there are certain differences between, I, I mean, Lucasfilm is still technically a separate division. Pixar is a separate division. Uh, Marvel is a separate division. So it, maybe it does make sense. But well, <clears throat> hiring people is hiring people. Paying right. bills is paying bills. Receiving is receiving, right? So I think you can have centralized there. Um, I don't know that you have centralized casting between right. Pixar and Star Wars and whatever else, right? True. But one of the things that Bob did with Which Pixar one? specifically... <laughs> Iger. Um, <laughs> you can't even say newer old Bob anymore. That's right. So well, I'm going last names from now on. So okay. what Iger did with Pixar is he said, hey, Steve Jobs, I know that you hate the Eisner Disney, but here's my thing is your Pixar is going to be Pixar. What you do is what you do. There's no difference. Right. There's no reporting structure difference. It's just it is what it is. You're Pixar. We, it doesn't make sense for us to buy you and change who you are. Right. Same goes with with Marvel. We're, you know, Perlmutter, we're not going to change Marvel. You do you. We're just going to own you now. That's it. And I think that 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 commitment is really what drove such success. Um, and maybe they maybe they didn't centralize. But anyway, go ahead, Eric. Yeah, it, it, that's yeah. It, there, there are a lot of decisions that you could make. But whenever you have a consulting company come in, I it, it, generally 
if you're not super if you're not super confident in what you're doing, there's a good chance you're looking at at that company and you're you're sweating just a little bit. Am I is my division going to be axed? Am right. I going to be removed from this equation because I'm redundant? It, well, it's just kind of how things go. Sorry, I'm going to mm-hmm. ask a lot of stupid questions about business no, no, because I don't weird. know this is a thing. Nerdy business. No, no, <laughs> I know, and, and I, hopefully this is helping the listener who, like me, is saying they're going, "Huh." Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I know is that at Subway they have to say hi to me when I walk in. Um, <laughs> Welcome st- to Moe's. <laughs> uh, I oh no, I, I lost it. What, Eric? What oh. were you talking about? redundancy redundancy and i'm not gonna lose oh, my oh, yeah, yeah 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 isn't it also possible that when you bring in these outside consulting firms it's in the best interest and i this maybe is a thing that doesn't happen but it seems to me that when you bring in that outside consulting firm it's kind of also in their best interest in some way to figure out a way for you to tell, well, if you just hire us to be here and take over this level of your operation, then we can fix everything for you. Well, they need to pay for themselves. They need to be able right. to justify right. it. And yeah. whether it's a consulting firm coming in from a third party perspective and saying, do this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and you're going to be more efficient. And But these are outsiders who are outside looking in, right? That right. they need to justify their own costs because they're going to pay a million dollars to come in and consult on how Disney should be run they're going to make sure that Disney saves millions of dollars to justify the expense. Right. And the reason you hire, the reason Disney hires somebody like this is because Disney famously promotes from within. Mm-hmm. They need fresh eyes from the outside to look at the company and say, all right, the things you've done probably made sense at the time. It's time to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Right. There's probably yeah. a fair amount of legitimacy there because the company has the history that it has. It's like one man, a suitcase and a dream and Mickey Mouse and you know, all that kind of stuff. So if that hasn't legitimately hasn't been looked at, then I could see how it would be useful. I'm just bringing my own perspective to it, which is like, I feel like these consultants are probably going to want to try to find a more permanent home for themselves for themselves at some point. Mm. Well, they they they're pretty much designed to come in, um, shake things up, and then leave. Okay, take right. their paycheck and go home. Yeah. So that thing that employees. I'm imagining, that's not a thing. Yeah, that's not like contract employees. It's it's a it's a one time six week evaluation. Here's our recommendation: make those changes, okay. and you know, yeah. move on. Then they go to the next thing. Okay. But Welcome that's a, to that's Dan a great question. About business stuff. <laughs> no, no, this is great because I'm sure there are people w- wondering. Um, and I, I, Jimmy and I have some experience in this realm, so. <laughs> Geeking out about a different thing today. <laughs> I read leadership books for fun. Yeah. The, 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 the level of business leadership that I know, that I understand, is uh, when the big movie starts, make sure all the concession stands are popping popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's it. That, that's a, that's <laughs> a good decision. And sometimes you have to remind them. <laughs> so, so then what else, Eric? So what else happens right. leading up to the sudden firing, rehiring? Right. So the reason that this kind of this kind of shook up everybody in the company, that everybody's really nervous about what's going on. Kareem Daniel, I'm just going to talk about him a little bit because the L.A. Times wrote a great piece on him in particular. And I found it really fascinating, partly because he grew up um, a few miles from where I grew up as well. Wow. He read comic books at the same mall that I read comic books wow. at. Wow. <laughs> Kindred spirit. And he went to the same high school that my grandmother taught at. 
Hmm. In fact, my, if he took any art classes, my grandmother taught him. Um, I can't ask her right now, unfortunately. Um, but well, as somebody I, who ended up being a, an executive for the Walt Disney Company, I think it's pretty certain that he did not take an art class. Well, yeah, you're probably right. He went on to Stanford and got a degree in engineering, of all things, hmm. and is suddenly coming back into business. Nerd alert. <laughs> Whoa. Um, <laughs> now, he, some, some people saw him as a very effective executive, uh, but a lot of people really saw him as that engineer, had that cold mentality, that cold logic. When he came in, he was just ruthless with his employees, with his colleagues. He wanted to be in charge, and he made his division, this DMED division, more powerful than, than probably even Chapek had imagined initially. I mean, think of think of all of those decisions. What's going to be put onto Disney Plus? What's going to go into theaters? Um, he was this guy was directly responsible for the decision to put films like Turning Red only on Disney Plus and never mm. release them, which okay. really pissed off the Pixar folks because they had had multiple movies at this point that were went straight to Disney Plus and were not released in theaters. Right. While Marvel films did get released in theaters. Yeah, this was Feige the guy making that so choice. Hard back on it, I think. Yeah. Um, and, f- and so I think what it's doing, like we had already said, it's kind of reversing the Iagra model of letting the people who are we put in their jobs, let them do their job. Right. And this guy's uniquely not qualified to make those kind of decisions. He's making business decisions. Right. But yeah, he's not from an entertainment experience perspective. Mm-hmm. He's making them from what he thinks is the right financial perspective. Um, this is a guy who this is a completely sidebar story. Uh, that was in the LA times it, during a corporate softball game. He was on Bob Iger's team and uh, he hit a ground ball and was running to first plate and plowed into Chapek who was playing first. Nice. Chapek fell, hit his head and needed medical attention. Oh, geez. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, Oh, poor guy. Something to think about um, with that. Um, I'm sure there's something to think about the end. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, the point being this division, this guy latched onto it. Oh, I remember now. I remember Um, when you're making the decision. The the other thing to consider, there's so much optical or there's optics in this because they're publicly traded. Uh, The optics are releasing a movie that fails at the box office. And so if you're concerned that between pandemic, between what, and you know, are the people going to show up for a movie about a adolescent puberty at the end of the day, are people going to show up? And if they don't, we're embarrassed. We look bad or stock price drops. But if you put it on Disney plus, nobody ever knows what it did or how successful or unsuccessful it was. Right. Oh yeah. Streaming so, is all funny math. So we know, Mar- uh, we know Marvel is going to get butts and seats. So let's release those. Some of these other nuanced stories you know, let's hide it a little bit and we can claim whatever we want to claim. And that's another question that this is not for the show, but how do they allocate the revenue? If I'm paying, let's say $6 a month for Disney plus and you add, you know, 25 million people paying the same. So you're getting this revenue every month. How do you decide what gets credit for that revenue? And I assume it's people that watch, right? So like X number of people watch this. So this is then that successful. But what if they watch it again? You can't split $6. Because what if I watch 100 shows? Do they all get split evenly? The revenue that I paid to have Disney Plus? It's Anyway, that, I'm just oh. sorry. That's the kind of stuff no, I think no. about. 
streaming is such a weird business right now. And as we've seen recently, Netflix finally admitted, hey, you know what? We've the entire business has been built around us and the things that we say are important. And what we thought was important for a long time and what our shareholders clung to was how many subscribers do you have? Well, after a certain point, you can't get more people. No matter what you do, there are only so many people. There's the market is so saturated mm-hmm. and some people are going to come to you and some people are going to be the type that that subscribe to you for a couple months so they can watch the one show and then they mm-hmm. leave and it, it you, you can jump around. If you're savvy, you can jump around and only have one streaming subscription at a time and it's right. fine. Uh, so it, at, at some point you need to say, are we making money? You know, the normal thing that capitalists Mm -hmm. talk about, the normal thing that makes shareholders happy is what's your profit? And Disney, that's what that's what made. I mean, Chapek got a huge black eye from the last earnings report because he's pumping so much money into streaming because Disney has to create so much content, Mm -hmm. even though they have the Fox portfolio, even though they have their own back catalog. They need to make new stuff because people want new stuff. Well, the benefit that Disney has, <clears throat> excuse me, Netflix only has Netflix. So as an organization, if Netflix isn't doing well, the organization isn't doing well. Disney right. has Netflix-ish with Disney+. Plus. They've got theme parks. They've got box offices. They've got a lot of other divested interests. So they can still be a profitable company while one division struggles, right? Yeah. I think, Jimmy, going back to what you're talking about, about how they measure these things, I, I feel like, and this is just, I'm just... I don't know anything about anything, but I'm just thinking that one way to measure could be immediacy because like a sense of urgency is kind of the premium when you're dealing with this stuff where it's just a library of stuff sitting there. Mm -hmm. I think maybe some measurement could be, okay, how many people are watching this right when it comes out Mm -hmm. compared to how many people just eventually get to it because they ran out of things. There's, there's a concept as long as we're nerding out on business, there's a concept, um, general accepted accounting practices, right? Gap accounting, which is basically what most companies do outside of Enron. So (laughs) what the, the generally accepted practice is when you recognize revenue, right? So in a lot of businesses, you recognize revenue once something is invoiced, you can mm. recognize that revenue. Others, it's, I will recognize the revenue when I get paid. That's when I recognize that revenue. Mm. Um, with, with other companies, it's, I'm recognizing the revenue when I um, get an order, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of more the Enron model. So what I'm... What so that's I'm, bad. Yeah. Okay. Because you don't actually, you you can't recognize revenue if you don't actually have the revenue. Right. So he's got to pay it first. Right. So <laughs> with, with Disney plus I'm recognizing like, for example, stitch fix, they don't recognize the revenue of if stitch fix, probably everybody knows is like a, they'll design, they'll kind of pick out a clothes big for sponsor you. for this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Brought to you by. So famously the CEO of, of stitch fix said, we don't recognize the revenue until the customer checks out. Basically, you get you get your clothes, you try them on, you're like, I want all of it. I'm going to check out and say, I'm keeping all of it. Then they recognize the revenue. You don't have the money um, until you have the money. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, I decide to send whatever back, but not right. until the customer checks out, right? So with Disney Plus, they get the revenue, they, they receive the revenue, 
in their account bank account every month on a certain day from 25 million people or whatever that is but where how is it allocated where is the revenue recognized in what bucket you know when you have a thousand things on the streaming service what's successful what does that look like when right. i have mulan and i have to pay 30 bucks to watch it that's real easy to recognize that revenue because mm-hmm. i just got 30 dollars for this person to watch this thing very similar to the box office right Anyway, that, that's it. That's just that's what my brain does. So go ahead, continue. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's let's wrap up the uh, the tale of Kareem Daniel. Oh, uh, do do we have the Chapek chat music handy just oh, to like? I, for, I we can probably that. retire it at some point. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We do need to maybe we'll because this is technically Chapek chat, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, it would be a shame to not utilize it as much as po- as much as possible. Oh my goodness! How did I not think of that? Um, While you look for that, and to make your editing job easier tonight, why don't we take a moment for a commercial break for Blue Chew, sponsored by Stitch Fix and Stitch Fix? Load up your Stitch Fix pants with Blue Chew, however you choose to see it. And now, StitchFix.com/slash/Supreme/slash/BlueChew. Your attention, please. (laughs) Disneyland is your land. Uh, Also, listener, and we're back. Um, (laughs) Also, also listener, please, if you have not, we found that about 10% of our listeners listen to Scraping the Vault. Um, It is a delightful show. If you haven't seen these movies, it doesn't matter. We go into painstaking detail about what happens. You can follow along even if you've never seen it. Eric and Dan, sorry, Eric, Dan and Audrey are incredibly delightful, very charming and funny. I didn't know the numbers um, were that low. <laughs> well, I mean, 10% of a high number is still a high number. Oh, that's, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's so right. anyway, yeah. point being um, that it's underappreciated content. And um, in that show, the latest episode we did was the, uh, the year without a Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That's not a straight to video sequel. But it was straight to TV. It's it's a fun Christmas movie. If you haven't seen it, you don't have to, but watch it. It's 45 minutes or whatever. Anyway, Dan had created a series of commercials that were absolutely perfectly done. One of our <laughs> listeners were. said they could not tell because of the their particular algorithm. There was a commercial, a real one in between two fake ones. And had he not heard that commercial on a different podcast, he would have thought it was one of the... I don't want to say fake commercials because they're real they're commercials. Old. They're old they're commercials. Just old. Yeah. But he would have thought it was part of Dan's bit had he not heard it on another show. That's how well executed it was. So it's a shorter episode. I really recommend you go on and listen to that just to get a taste of what that show's about. Uh, because if you like that episode, you'll like them all. Dan does a great job on that show. Go ahead. Anyway, Eric. Lots of nonsense. Kareem Daniel. <laughs> all right. Kareem Daniel. Here, let's... Uh, well, I guess we, do we save JPEG chat? Let's just play Let's it just, now. That just could cause. be the closing. However, yeah, you the closing of the JPEG chat bag. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll wait until the end. Okay. 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 Uh, Kareem Daniel, back to the story of him and his DMED division. Uh, essentially, Kareem kept pushing things and kept finding ways to get his fingers into other divisions. As I mentioned, he was the one making decisions: what goes into theaters, what goes onto Disney Plus. And over the last few weeks, uh, he and Christine McCarthy, the CFO, 
were suggesting that Disney should consolidate all of their marketing efforts for all movies, all television, all streaming under DMED to cut costs. Like we're saying, in some cases, this is a there are redundancies that we're trying to avoid. This does cut costs. However, we're putting a creative decision, a decision to to highlight this versus that into the hands of financial people instead of the creatives who who made this product, who are proud of this product. Look at the marketing for Strange World. Does anyone remember seeing marketing? anything about Strange World? Yeah. Other than there was a banner ad on Disney Plus <laughs> for the preview. trailer. There was a trailer. I saw yeah. a trailer in the theaters before a Disney property, probably. Right. Yeah, I remember seeing something once months ago, mm-hmm. but nothing recently that said it's coming soon. When I saw it come up, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm probably not going to see that because it's not. I, I, I don't know. So like it's, how I feel about Rogue One. And But <laughs> there's no. No, Dan. There, <laughs> no. <laughs> there's no interest in it because nobody made me excited about it. Right. Yeah. And you're used to seeing a bunch of previews. You're bunch of used to seeing things on it during the morning news, during television shows that you're watching it. I know things have changed. I know people are streaming more than they are watching live television, but you're used to ads coming up when you're looking at a website, looking at, uh, you know, looking at your stitch fix order, you're going to see an ad for (laughs) strange world. Yeah. No, nothing. Right. In fact, the yeah. only and I can't it's not even marketing, but the only anything that I saw about Strange World was some homophobe complaining about a supportive parent in it. Like mm-hmm. that's it. That's all. Yeah. But I mean, granted, my algorithm is like chewed up and a mess, but like mm-hmm. that <laughs> that's right. That's all I saw. And I was just like, is this even a movie? <laughs> it doesn't I don't know. Yeah. 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 So it, the could end be, of this could be a d- description, a summary of the last 18 months of the Walt Disney Company. It's a strange True. world. <laughs> <laughs> the, the end of this saga, as uh, if you've heard some tales on other podcasts about the Elton John concert, that's where right. a lot of the executives heard about Chapek getting <laughs> fired. That's where he heard about it. <laughs> right. And famously, he did not show up. Um, Kareem Daniel sh- showed up to the concert. Um, heard that Chapek had been let go and he immediately left because he mm. knew he was next. He was next. Yeah. It was, he was like, when, he, when Elton John played Candle in the Wind, all the execs <laughs> cried extra hard. <laughs> I think, uh, that, I think at that point, I, I, I believe that Kareem Daniel was sort of the heir apparent right hand man of Bob. And so yeah. I think he, he probably saw the writing on the wall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that so, was that was it. Iger came in. He he deliver, deliberately said we're putting power back in the hands of the creatives. That's how he did it. He eliminated an entire division yeah. of the company. So a, a little bit. So enter Bob Iger, exit JPEG. Let's play the music. <laughs> <laughs> Zip it up. There you go. There you go. And now the story of Robert Ignatius Iger. I don't know if that's his middle name, but it sounds good. Uh, I already talked about sort of his leadership style from his book. And I'm going to tell a couple of anecdotes from the book just to inform the kind of leadership this person exudes. We already already kind of ad nauseum talked about let the creative people, let the people do their job, right? Give Empower your leaders to do what they do. Um, 
there's a story that he tells in the in the book uh, in his days at ABC or whatever. He was traveling the world and he went to Japan, and there was a a sushi chef, like this master sushi chef, and they sat there for like forty minutes while this guy made like twelve rolls or something like that, because this master sushi chef insisted that the rice be at body temperature. But the the sushi is best when the rice is at 98.6 degrees. And so that relentless pursuit of perfection, taking the time to make the effort to make a perfect product. And he tells that story in his leadership meetings at Disney, relentless pursuit of perfection, it's possible. And the 98 degree sushi story is an example. Uh, There's another story when he was at ABC, he wasn't the leader, executive, whatever, but um, he made a decision and it was the wrong decision. And some, the, the chairman of the board or leader or whatever said, you know, who did this, who screwed up? And he raised his hand and said, that was me. I made a mistake. Room goes silent. Leader doesn't say anything. But after that, he gets treated a lot better by the executive. Because so at the time, nobody did that. Nobody ever owned the mistake because they didn't want to feel the wrath or whatever. When mm-hmm. when retaliation was a thing in corporate yeah. America, not so much anymore. But that was sort of ahead of its time. I own my mistakes, right? And listen, I made a mistake. I own it. And that's a great leadership style because it gets a lot of people on your team and around you to respect who you are because you're willing to own the mistakes as much as you're willing to own the success, right? Um. He, he's all about creative content. He said it. He said it. We've said it. Creative content drives, you know, and I think Dan, you even have it in your notes. But just these are frameworks that I, I want to just put in place for this episode while we're talking about what he's going to do based on who he is as a leader and what he has done. Like, for example, Dan, he greenlit Twin Peaks. What? He's the one. He's the one that said... Steve or David Lynch, you're a weirdo, but this is a great idea. We want to be bold with our decision making. I'm not going to lie. Another Bob, Bob Iger, <laughs> <laughs> and it makes our graphic all the more fitting. Um, I'm not going to lie; that makes me love Bob Iger like unquestionably. Hundred yeah, percent him. Everybody else is like, this is a really bad idea, and he's like, I trust this guy. Let him. He's got something interesting to say. Mm-hmm. And so he's the one that drove it is, is Bob Iger. Now also own your mistakes. He also greenlit cop rock, but he, (laughs) (laughs) but he said like, listen, it was bold. It was something different. He started NYPD blue, the very first like rated our TV show. And it was a massive hit. Um, Making bold decisions is what this guy's about. And, and Pixar, that was a bold decision. The board didn't want to do it, but he convinced, and they're like, there's no way that Jobs is going to accept this because he hates Disney. And he went in there and like I said earlier, you know, <laughs> turns out he hates Eisner. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. But it's like, he's like, listen, I, you guys do you, we're not going to get in the way. And, and he made sure that John Lasseter and the other guy were on board with it before Steve Jobs said, let's go. And then Steve became on, on the Disney board and became a friend and confided in, in Bob Iger 30 minutes before they went on to announce the deal of acquisition of Pixar, uh, 30 minutes before I sat him down and said, I'm going to tell you something that I've told nobody but my wife and my doctors, I'm dying of pancreatic cancer. Mm. And you can pull out of the deal if you want. <laughs> 30 minutes before. Wow. But don't tell anybody. And so he's like, what am I supposed to do? Like 30 minutes before we announce this thing, go in and say, I have cold feet now. 
So anyway, right. obviously they went through with it. But these are these are interesting stories in, in the book. I highly recommend it. I think it's they called Lazar to run everything. So I mean, you yeah, can't go wrong. You're in good hands if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> where's our um, Lasseter chat <laughs> song? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, so just allowing leadership to do their thing, which again, coming full circle back to what's going to happen to the reservation system. Well, I'm going to let the person I put in charge of that division make that decision, and that's the difference between Bob Iger and and, uh, and Bob Chapek. I think a, a significant one. So that is sort of a framework going into this conversation. A strong, bold leader. He's not afraid of risk. He's not afraid of creative content. Let the leadership do what they do. I'll consult, I'll give my opinion, but at the end of the day, I hired you to do a thing. You go do that thing. If I don't think you're doing a good job, then I'm going to let you know and I'm going to own the mistake. Mm-hmm. I well, own that, the fact that, that, that you is didn't also, perform. I mean, like, it takes, it's kind of a Captain Obvious moment, but it, it does like take a moment to think that is a huge difference. That's a complete sea change yeah. in how to run things. It is, absolutely. And, and that's how I pride myself in running my business is is just that you know i it's it's empowering you want to empower employees and you want them to feel like they have ownership in a decision mm-hmm. gone are the days of you're doing this because i'm telling you to do it i'm the boss mm-hmm. and it's more about here's what i'm asking here's why i'm asking here's why i'm asking you specifically because of your specific skill set and at the the end result looks like this how you get there is 100% up to you I'll be there to guide you. But if we can agree on the end result and why you own it, then that person's going to take more passionate ownership of the thing. And as long as the end result looks like this thing we agreed on, I don't care how we get there. Yeah. Well, no, and I also, think that's if, what this guy does. If you're overseeing all these all all these things, eventually your vision gets like just kind of watered down and muddied yeah, out. Where exactly. Like, yeah. So where if you have something where you have people who are like make this work in a way that maybe I'm not even seeing. Right. Right. That, and that's what you want. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Perspective. Again, everybody has a unique perspective. Listen to the person who's new, listen to what they have to say because mm-hmm. they have a new, fresh perspective. You don't have to do it, but you know, listening to all voices. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Dan. So, um, that that's the framework of Bob Iger. Before we get into speculation, let's talk a little bit about splash mountain. It's all over in the news. It's closing officially. That's okay. all I know. That was, there it goes. That was a, that was a, a hard left. <laughs> yeah, I think, this, I, don't, I think it's just, this is to save the, the graphic that I've already made. And thank you, Jim. <laughs> You're welcome. Splash Mountain is well, closing. It's an official close date. And that date is? Uh, G- January 20. Okay. I think 24th. Let's see if I got it right. Hold on. And but this is significant ready. because it's real now. And is it closing at both? resorts i think it's kind of vague because i i can't tell if they are assuming that we will just know that it's at both parks or if like it's just at disney world and that i i really don't know honestly i think um the most important thing is that people go to chapexshirt.com where i have (laughs) all sorts of splash mountain merchandise (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez That you purchased at the parks and you're I selling at a markup. Parks. That's right. <laughs> selling you, at a reasonable 300% markup. Do you remember, <laughs> so to the listener who hasn't been with us for too long, and if you haven't listened to the back catalog, go 
this is not the first time this previous episode where we talked about Chapek and uh, several hours after we talked about Chapek, <laughs> he was fired. Um, this is not the first time we've done that. We had an, an entire episode on Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain versus Splash Mountain. By the way, two parter. By the way, just since we're, we're addressing the newer listenership, that if you're wondering like where to start, where, how far back to go, I'm not saying listen to them all, but you might notice as we have that before Splash Mountain, it's kind of a different show, so, right. which is very interesting. <laughs> that is a little bit of a turning point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelly River Rapids versus Grizzly River One, I think was before that, right? That was one of my th- first official shows. I think so, but Splash Mountain was, I, at least for me, where I, where it was like, okay, I we're, think we we're all dialed in. Yeah, 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 because we we had that entire episode about those shows, and during the, the aftermath of that show, they announced that they were going to bring in Tiana. <laughs> That's right. So we recorded Splashes too. <laughs> yeah, we talked about yeah. what that meant. That's right. So we have a two part episode about Splash Mountain. You should listen. Um, also, the idea of relitigation as these things change. Um, Carly Weisel, uh, theme park ju- theme park journalist. Uh, we might relitigate Honda Mansion. Oh no, we might. Oh no! Um, At least we have Boundless Realms to talk about the new the, the book. The, yeah, I the, bought it. Quote new book. Um, by Fox anyway, Nolte, I think I might be idea, sick for that episode. <laughs> listener, if <laughs> if you're interested in that kind of thing, let us know if you're interested in a relitigation. It's a lot of work. Now, the history didn't change. So we still have notes on all that stuff. If I can figure out where Dan but, put those folders. But there's stuff in in oh, I Realm I that them. I never heard about. Right. About Walt Disney World's version. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so back to... Uh, anything else about Splash Mountain? It's closing. It's going to reopen in eight months or whatever. Uh, you make it wet. We Great. have we have more concept art, and apparently there's going to be animatronic animals. Yeah, Excellent. it looks like the thing that they're going to do is. I, my fear is that it's going to be, hey, look, we still have some animatronics. <laughs> Here's and then my a question: bunch of Lights with mist. Yes. And Here's my question. Yeah. What percentage of the existing animatronics remain? Considering Plus how or many... Plus or minus 50%. <laughs> Considering how many there are currently, I'm going to yes. say 30. 30%. So wow. less than 50. I'm going to say over 50% remain. I don't know. Why would you remove any? Yeah. I mean, shift them around. The only Change thing that I'm not... Change to be more New Orleans bio-y, but why not? They're right. animals. Yeah, just... Just move them around and you throw in a few Louis animatronics. Maybe there are more animatronics. And I, the only thing that I'm not sure about is what's what's the deal with the the drop, the lead up to the drop where you've got the scary right. possum and, and everything. What's what's that about? I think non-named characters go. Excuse me. Named characters. Anything with a brer. It's gone. Uh, that's, oh, that's a fair without point. a doubt. Brer yeah. Fox, Brer yeah, Bear, right. Brer Rabbit. They're gone. But all the like sub, why not? Change the bees to fireflies. Done. Anyway, all right. So uh, Splash Mountain's changing. We'll come back with more speculation and a review on that. We will have to relitigate that episode, by the way, because <laughs> it's oh, a yeah, new ride. <laughs> we still have the history, which is the same, but now we'll have new history about Tiana and everything else. Okay. Now for the fun part, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, What's going to change now that this uh, dynamic leader is back in the position for at least two years? We're going to start with what he's going to change back to or modify what has changed or been put in place 
uh, went, uh, with his absence. Okay. So we're going to start with reservation system. Mm. The reservation oh. system is probably the thing that people want to go the most. The speculation or the the assertion from Disney is we're doing this so that we can have appropriate staffing, which is 100% horse manure because they're looking at reducing their staff and they don't pay them well. And it's ridiculous that they're using that as an excuse. That's my opinion. Um, I think that there's some level of control. The other thing is if we know how many people are coming, we can limit the attendance, which again, if you've been to Disneyland or Disney World lately, seems kind of ridiculous to say. Um, I think yeah, that... What are they restricting if there are that exactly. many people there? So what's what's happening is that I think they're paying more and more attention to what's happening at Universal. This is, this is I'm saying this because of a result of survey questions, uh, my own experience. I think they're going to probably follow Universal's lead in a lot of this, okay? So I believe that the reservation system will expire. With it will be the fast, excuse me, the park hopper limitations. I don't think they're necessary. I don't think they're effective. And if you don't need to make a reservation, then park hopping is irrelevant when you park hop. So I believe those are the two changes that will happen or... Bob Iger is going to come out and say, here's why it's staying and here's why it's good. Here's I what think it's we're gonna, doing I think regardless, for we're going to see a lot of that from him. The sort of yeah, like, just this, is why this, stays this is why this why thing goes. happens. And, and by the way, when you're dealing with stakeholders, this is why it's good for you. Right. For real, this is why it's good for you, the consumer. It might be good for us, Disney as well, but this is why it's good for you or what it's doing. And limiting attendance is bullshit. And um, <laughs> it's all right. Staffing, Eric said Fox earlier, so I mean, I guess wow. it's a dirty show. <laughs> staffing oh. is uh, is I think that's not not true. Maybe that was the intention, but I don't think any of that's no, true anymore. That's not the intention, it, Dan. How many times have you seen Magic Key reservations open up a couple of days before? Almost I think the intention, every- yeah, the intention is throttle the Magic Key users. Right. Make sure you leave space for the ticket, the single day ticket or the multi day ticket, the short term people, the favorable attendance mix. Right. That's and then that's at the, the last second say, okay, we've got room for another ten thousand people. Right. If, and and I'd rather have you coming in paying ten dollars yeah. than not coming in at all. Right. Yeah. When I think if we're really honest about it, the reservation system, it started out as a COVID thing. And I think the reason it has stayed is because of the pass holders, which I understand as being one of those obnoxious people. Like I completely understand we can be a problem. Um, And I think that we're also going to find out, you know, just how much of a real one tomorrow is because I think I I suspect, and this is based on partially what I've seen. I think that reservations will stay for pass holders yes. on some level, key holders, pass holders. I agree. I agree. And I because I think that they and I think that for I think now, they need maybe to maybe not forever, but for I, now, I, I think there's a way that they can present it where they say like, look, this isn't about what we said, okay, and we'll we'll cop up to that in whatever way. This is about do you remember how unmanageable it used to be? 
And don't you want people who are experiencing for their this for their first time or for their once a year time? Don't you want them to love it too? Family from Washington or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Go home uh, and say how great it was. I don't know if that's going to be the spin. But I, I get your point, Dan. But I think you're right. I, I think, think there's it's a gonna, way to do that, though. But I think this got put into place even before Iger because they announced a couple weeks ago before he came back that if after December eighth. If you buy a single day ticket, you mm-hmm. automatically get a reservation. Yeah. For and that I think park. When I mention the thing about tomorrow, what I mean is that like I think he should be talking talking to his frontline staff on some level, even if it's right. through multiple channels. And that whole thing of like, I can't just show up and go to Disneyland because I don't all I know is that I love Disneyland and that it's tantamount to child abuse in our culture if I don't take them at least once and hey i'm going to be in california i'm going to go that day i'm not following all the blogs i'm not watching fresh baked i'm not listening to podcasts it's reasonable to expect that you should be able to walk up to a ticket booth and say one disneyland please and i'll give you an example (laughs) i have i've said this before on one of these shows on tuesday 48 hours from now i will be in epcot with 14 people Mm mm-hmm and I had to walk 14 people through the process of making a reservation. And every one of those 14 people had no idea that you had to make a reservation. And why should they? It's not. Intuitive. Why should they? It's silly because we're going to Universal two days later and we haven't even bought the tickets yet because we don't have to. Right. We can change our minds. We can decide that morning to go. And that's the way it should be. And I believe because Universal's making a very big impact, especially in Florida. Mm-hmm. I believe they're going to eliminate the reservation system for non-pass holders. And then eventually for pass holders, maybe. And again, because fast pass, or excuse me, the um, uh, park hopping was also a COVID excuse. Well, not excuse. It was a reason, right? Like we, if you're going to come, come here, you can park hop, but let's wait till people have their, call it six hours of experience, which is, you know, a full day in general. Um, so that let you know, let people have their full day and experience it before you start mingling and doing other stuff. I think I think that goes away. I think if we're basing it on the experience based on what I have experienced in the parks, reservations stay for pass holders because I mean, if we're being really honest, having that extra layer of effery for them, they kind of like it. I mean, let's be perfectly honest; <laughs> they like it, makes them feel special, gives them something to complain about. But it also makes sense, and I think the park hopping limitation. It has to exist if you're making a reservation, um, and I. But I, I think they're going to open it up at eleven because that's when things start to become unmanageable anyway. Interesting. I yeah. I I don't see a reason to limit it at all. But if there's well, if, no reservation, then park hopping is irrelevant. Yeah. Because right now, if I wanted to park hop and I don't go to the park until two o'clock, I have right. to go to the one I reserved first. Not once you take away. One o'clock. Sorry. Once you take no, away, no, no. I mean at Disneyland, if it's if it's after the park hopping time, you oh, can right, go to right, either. Right. And that oh. may be true at Disney World. I don't know, but the, the, that was the original idea, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> but you, that becomes moot if you don't have to have a reservation, and therefore, who cares? Right, you just go to one with the shorter line. Yeah. So that, from a prediction standpoint, a little bit of a, a educated guess, a hypothesis, substantiated statement. I believe that both of those things, maybe with the exception of park, excuse me, of magic key holders, goes away in 2023. The next thing, Genie Plus, will <laughs> not change. Really? It will not change. You buy it, Dan. It won't change. No, now, I don't. 
I think I think there's a, there's there's maybe an exception. I see you buy it too. Yeah, <laughs> I could see a free genie with price with purchase of ticket. I could see a world in a in a sort of a concession from you know Bobby or Master you know benevolent Iger. I could see a world where they introduce that as a concept. Like here's one because you bought a ticket, but if you want to do it again, you got to buy it. I don't think that'll happen. I do not see Disney Genie Plus change. It is way too profitable and too many people do it. Yeah, people are getting used to it now, even yeah. though it's complicated it's just and weird. Because guess what? Universal does it. Yeah. I, and, and it works. And by the way, Disney's is cheaper. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think here's what I have for Genie Plus is if it's still paid, which I think it will be. It will be. The cost is going to be very, very large, but it will include individual lightning lanes and we'll have more features like virtual queues for parades and shows or whatever, possibly throw in a free magic band because they all want us to have one anyway. Uh, maybe you'd get to the top of the standby list for restaurants um, and you would have the ability to ride things more than once. And there's going to be a super premium magic key that will have this available as an add on that I can see. Um, yeah. And I think the price point is going, it's going to be high, but you're going to mm-hmm. get a lot for it. Um, and I think that. I don't know. I don't I, see it. I think that to uh, sort of supplement this, the free genie, which is useless, it's basically, basically clippy now for your Disney vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, they're going to make it to actually, they're going to make it actually be useful. And the paid genie will kind of, there's going to be an interface between the two. They're going to talk to each other. Basically, they're going to buy out touring plants, which they should do anyway. Yeah, and they really give should. give you a tool that actually works as the thing they are saying that it's supposed to work as. And I think that you could even potentially put, I mean, think about the tool and think about what would be useful. Like when I was there a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking I would love it if this thing would remind me like every time Viva Navidad was going to happen and it would yeah. be able to figure out you're here. You need to, <clears throat> That Start. was what that was the promise. That right? was, that the, was promise. the original promise. That was one hundred percent promise. And, and I think a lot of what you're saying, Dan, it would be great. And I think this is a lot of Dan Dan Imagineering. This is what it should be. Oh, one hundred percent. It's not going to be, but this is what it should be. So I can appreciate your perspective. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing about touring plans. Uh, it, it's it's really smart. Touringplans.com. If you haven't done it, go on it. Follow their plans. However, it's not. Um, it's not uh, fluid, right? It's mm. stagnant. Oh, it is a okay. it is a printed plan. This is what you should do. If everyone did it, it's irrelevant now. Hmm. But I think I think I, I mean I I get that there's a, a degree of blue skying here, and that's 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 probably the case. But to my mind, and this is just how I see it, I'm thinking like this has there's a win win in all of this because if you have better crowd management through this maybe touring plans with some fluidity that you can program into it. In addition to this very expensive uh, genie plus that gives you basically access to everything you want to see Fantasmic come up. See, all you got to do is load up a virtual queue. I mean, you still got to get a virtual queue for it, but mm-hmm. Hey, you paid, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I get your point. I think just just to close out the point of uh, algorithms and fluidity, what the, the promise of Genie was that I'm going to tell you all the things I'm interested in, and you're going to tell me when that thing I'm interested in is nearby or mm-hmm. coming or about to start right. or has a low weight. 
but it didn't do that. Right. And, and we know that, and they haven't admitted that, but, but I think we're talking about Iger and Disney genie. If there's any change to Disney genie, I could see that living up to its promise. Yeah. But I think because it doesn't, it doesn't give them any revenue. Genie's free. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be investment in Genie. Genie Plus, however, getting extra perks like Photo Pass, which mm-hmm. you don't get at Disney World, um, things like that. I think I think that's where we're going to play with. We'll give you extra stuff if you give us extra money. So I think some of your ideas are are valid, Dan. But I think at the very least, they're going to probably they should they should raise the price. If we're being really honest, but I think at the very least, we're going to see you can ride something more than once. Sure, which these would be all, these are it, all uh, programming changes, right? Yeah, this is all IT absolutely. Stuff. Just un- uncheck that box. Yeah, yeah, go back to the Max Pass style era. Yeah, yeah, just grab whatever you want, whenever you want. But based on what I, the outset of the framing of this conversation, based on Bob Iger, he's not going to make that decision. No, 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 no. I don't think so. That's too granular for him. So if he truly allows for his team to listen to their to their customer and be empowered to make those decisions, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. There's no reason I shouldn't be able to ride Honda Mansion twice if I can get if I can get Lightning Lane, that means it's available. Right. In which case I should be able to ride it again because it's my favorite ride. Well right? that There's takes you out of another reason. line. You know that exactly. You know? Yeah. It's a it's a silly rule, uh, especially because I'm paying for it, right? Yeah. And that's why I say that's why I say I think we're gonna see who tomorrow really is in this. Because if we see no change, then I guess he was part of the problem. You right. know, absolutely. Um, but a handsome part of the problem. Sure. A very handsome part of the problem. And also, another thing that Bob Iger is is famous for in his leadership is owning his mistakes. Mm-hmm. And if Demaro decides to stick with all this stuff without a the solid business reason, he'll get fired. Right. And. And uh, Iger will say, listen, I own that mistake. We shouldn't have brought him. He's in the wrong place or whatever. I don't think that'll happen. I think. But let's make predictions. Do we think tomorrow is going to be show himself to be part of the problem? No, I think, I think he's yes. I think he's succession plan. Oh, mm. uh, maybe because I, I think, mean, think about I, the last time they did it. I think tomorrow is it's secretly like the biggest corporate goon of them all. That's interesting. We'll find out. And, and yeah, Bob yeah. Iger's going to show us. I, I wish I, I'm, I'm hopeful that Jimmy's right. The but other part of thing me thinks that Dan might be right. Well, I, I think I'm right with you, Eric. Uh, the, the thing that Bob Iger is, and we've talked about this before, I think he's a really smart business leader. I really do. And so does wall street. And so does the Disney board. Um, so I'm just glad they finally listened to Tom Corliss. That's that's really <laughs> and Jim Cramer and Jim Cramer, <laughs> who's very no, drunk. On Jim Cramer listened to Tom Corliss, so that's, <laughs> that's right. it. Um, anyway, so back to Iger um, in the I, so so what's going to happen is some of these minor changes, reservations go away, uh, park hopping goes away as far as limitation on timing. Uh, maybe there's some nuanced changes. Genie Plus doesn't change. Maybe there's some features added, but I don't think that goes away in any form. Maybe there are different tier levels where you get more stuff or whatever. If there's any changes, it's going to be mild. Um, but if those things don't go away, we are going to find out why 
in a justifiable, here's why it's good for you way. Yeah. It's <laughs> not just going to just stay with no explanation. Right. Because too many people are talking about it even within the company. Um, the next thing, this is kind of silly, but do you think that Bob Iger is going to make a public statement about Scarlett Johansson? No. Oh. I don't think he's going to dig up that old. He's not going to dig up old old business like Scar that character's Joe dead or, and she's not coming back so it doesn't matter well that and he's not gonna he's not gonna dig up don't say gay or anything he's not gonna mm. publicly challenge ron DeSantis. no he's already made his statement an armless, on that it's not, wrestling it's, match his statement is it's not political <laughs> right be good to people is not political which is a very appropriate answer yeah um hmm so, I, th- I mean I think that there will be some kind of a giant and it could be in an, in a winking sort of way, corporate mea culpa because they, that needs to happen. And if that means we, you know, get rid of, we, you know, pay off McCarthy's contract. Cause like she's seen as part of this, um, whether actually a problem or not. Um, I think that there needs to be some kind of public, thing that addresses all of it i don't think it'll be necessarily like i'm doing this for scarlett johansson but i think that it will be written in a way that like it's in there yeah maybe i I could see him kind of sort of going back and and band-aiding all these negative things because because whatever chapek did is the company it's the brand Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. did it and so he's going to go and try to fix the brand Maybe right. not going that granular, but what I was saying before, I remember, uh, Iger's a good leader, but also he's an articulate, attractive, forward-facing individual. So is Josh tomorrow. So if Josh tomorrow can be a, a magnanimous, uh, articulate, attractive individual, and he also feels the same way about leadership and he understands business and he follows the same Iger model that's of the good to great model that I mentioned earlier. I think he gets the job. And if he is the corporate goon that I fear he is, I worry that what's going to happen is he's going to be smart enough to recognize that all he has to do is learn how to behave and and be outwardly Say like right Iger as much as possible. Say the right things. Yeah. yeah. Get the job and then shape back again. And the everything I'm saying about Bob Iger there's a lot of credibility lost because of Bob Chapek decision. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's, this is conspiracy theory. I don't actually believe it, but there's, there's a theory out there. I think I talked about it on scraping the vault that, that all the big, big time celebrities and and business people all get the same memo. You'll notice (laughs) that Bob Iger resigned from Disney about two weeks before the world shut down. Mm. And the day after Disney announced all COVID restrictions from all divisions have been lifted is the day he accepted coming back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, so that therefore Chapek was a stooge put in place to fail so that Iger didn't have to write out the COVID thing. So Iger was the real pandemic. that, well, I don't, I don't I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> oh, man, but there is, there is a, a, a prevailing theory. This is not again, real by the way. But there's a prevailing theory that basically Bob was, Chapek was put in to fail. Because if Iger is navigating with $77 billion in debt in a shutdown, he's going to fail too. Nobody can succeed in that time. Now, he would have done a better job. 
but there still would have been losses. I think there's probably some, some element to that. And I think that it's, but I don't, I'm not seeing it in any conspiracy kind of way. I think Iger was looking at the successor and it's a combination of like, well, he's in charge of this division. So if he hasn't figured this out by now, then I don't know what to do. And the the combination of that and like, things are going to get real weird for a little bit of time and someone's going to have to be in there to be seen as the fall guy. Here's this turd person who (laughs) sentient roast beef is sentient roast beef who like all he's just, he's just a business guy. That's like given the paycheck. He probably wouldn't even mind if you said straight up, Hey, I need you to go be a bad guy for a little bit. I don't, he probably wouldn't even mind. He'd be like, yeah, sure. We'll give you you $20 million at the end. Right. Right. You know, right. It's is it worth twenty million dollars to go be a fall guy? Yeah. Now this didn't happen, but but one could argue that <laughs> there's a sound there's a sound argument for that. Okay. Um, does anything else from a uh, historical JPEG put in place? Which, by the way, a lot of this stuff was put into motion well before Iger left. But yeah. Uh, other than reservation systems and park hopping, which is why I think he's changing that because he had nothing to do with it. Are we talking just parks? Uh, it doesn't matter. Just anything that, that that's why I brought up Scarlett Johansson. Cause that was a JPEG thing. Yeah. I, I think one of the two big albatrosses around Iger's neck, Iger's, uh, JPEG's one Fox is the other. And I think that yeah. they're, they, he's going to have to, they're going to have to come up with something to publicly justify. Here's, Here's what we're doing with Fox. At the very least, uh, here's what we're doing with Fox moment. Well, yeah, and 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 that that kind of comes to the next heading, yeah. I guess. Okay. It, less about because fixing Fox or fixing is what I'm talking about. Right, right, right. Um, it, 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 Iger did Fox, so yes, right. he has to own it. Now he's back in charge to give it some direction. Maybe um, this is the transition then. From, this because, is the transition. Is so what is Bob, issue? What is Iger going to do next? Right. Does he? Does he speak up about Fox before or after Avatar 2 opens? After. I think after, and I think that the tone of that is largely dependent on Avatar. Okay. Uh, how well it does. I think it's basically the same the same speech, but with like a paragraph that you go, okay, we're going to use that one. <laughs> or okay. we're going to use the other one. Right. James Cameron already spent way too much money on this before we bought the company. Yeah. That well, I think that's definitely going to be brought up. Yeah. Yeah. If it fails. If it fails. But I think, I think that's going to be in there regardless because he he's going to want to, on some level, really, I mean, not take a dump on James Cameron. Just be like, look, it would be even more successful if this guy didn't do everything from a submarine. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> maybe. Um so, so Avatar, so Fox, so what, what, uh, what is Bob Iger going to do differently? And by the way, it's not Bob Iger that's going to do it. It's going to be the head of the studio. Right. And the, and Josh tomorrow, what's he going to do about putting Fox in the theme parks? Obviously Avatar's already there. I have an idea that we'll get to shortly. Okay. <laughs> go, go for it. Okay. Well, this this is again a kind of a blue sky thing, and I re- I know how it's going to sound, but bear with me here. Disney needs to buy Knotts, Knotts Berry Farm. 
That's interesting because the next thing I have on my what's he going to do is acquisitions. So he's he's good at he's good at acquisitions. I don't know that they take on all of Cedar Fair because I don't know that they no, want no way that no way. But it's not good enough. Here's the thing with knots. It's got it's a it's a ten minute drive from Disneyland. Include it in the magic keys. Build a Skyliner. Maybe build a Skyliner or just they are they're already contracting out with art. They could just contract out a bus route with art. It's it'll be a 20 minute bus ride. No reservations needed. You could put you could put Fox stuff in there. DFI oh, Walter absolutely. not. Absolutely. DFI Walter not. You basically make it like and so to make it clear that like we are not making this another Disneyland. This is this is a tribute to Walter not. I think you tear the vision. thing down, burn it to the ground and start over. You How have that you? real estate? How dare you? No, Keep but there's so legacy. much history there. There's a lot of history there. So here here's here's where here you offer just enough actual incentive to get even a percentage of the APs over there to reduce the pressure. It's it's an automatic pressure valve. Someone could be like, hey, I'm here at Disneyland. Uh, it's busy. Oh, it's not busy over at Knott's. Let's go ride Calico Mine Train, which they recently plussed up with like, I don't know, Scrooge McDuck or it's not going to be that, but you know, um, the X-Men, the X-Men or something. And, and, uh, let's see, you could cross train staff so that there's, you could have like, if you're understaffed here, be like, Hey, hop on the employee bus. We need you to do popcorn at main street or whatever. And most importantly, that Knott's Berry Farm has been doing Galaxy's Edge better than Disney in the form of Ghost Town Alive. Mm. Ghost Town Alive offers actual interactive experiences with some kind of a storyline with characters that are given, you know, freedom to improvise as they need to, but there's a basic storyline that they stick to. You get the team. So in acquiring knots, you get the release valve, you get all the stuff you can, you know, put like a million dollars into each one of the rides and everyone will lose their minds. Um, and you also get the creative team. You, you get, uh, you get Halloween, not scary farm, get the creative team that does not, not, uh, ghost town alive say, okay, that's working. Come over to galaxy's edge, figure out how to do the same thing over here. Now I, I I'm with you. However, it's not going to remain Knott's Berry Farm. That's the Fox IP park. It's going to be whatever whatever Disney decides it to be. They'll keep some attractions and mm -hmm. overlay, rename, whatever. You've got the real estate. Yeah. They will do a better job at organizing the park in in how it's how it's constructed and how it's navigated. Yeah. And that only works not by bus. It only works with the Skyliner. It's 6.7 miles door to door. In a straight line, it's even shorter. Mm. The distance between Epcot and Pop Century is four miles. But we're also dealing with Anaheim and Buena Park. Well, we're dealing what? with Orange County and Osceola County in Disney. True. Disney World. Now you True, also have property the, that they own. You uh -huh. also have Reedy Creek Improvement District, which which solves a lot of that problem. But yeah, if they can figure out a way to do that, then it becomes more of the bubble. The Lincoln and, Avenue Improvement District. There you go. And then you can <laughs> you can access. I I don't. I mean, that's a great idea. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it, it'll just never happen unless they can make it all yeah. one cohesive thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, but if they I did, guess that's part of what I'm Fox saying too is that it doesn't have to be that. 
You right. could, it could just simply be like, hey, guess what? You get knots now too. Go eat some ribs over there while we're busy over here. Like, I mean, at the, at it's the just, very it least, doesn't meet the quality. They'd have to totally revamp it. It's just not good enough quality. Yeah. Some of it. I think, I think there's Enough a lot of it. of it. There's a lot of it that you could demolish and build something new, but I think you could also just, just kind of do what they did with DCA so many years ago. Just be like, okay, well, this is weird, but let's, let's plug in some things here. Give uh, give us a nighttime spectacular over there for people to be like, okay, I'm getting in my car at seven. Cause I'm going to go over there and watch this thing. You know, there's, there are ways. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And um, it's an interesting idea. So so uh, uh, continuing on this, what Bob Iger is going to do, uh, let's remember the Pixar example. He's a visionary. He's like, Disney animation's struggling. We need, let's get Lasseter in here, who's great. Pixar's doing nothing wrong. Um, not to say that Lasseter wasn't, but they put him in charge of animation, fix that. Uh, Marvel's got all this content. Uh, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, Fox. Like, I don't think acquisitions are necessarily on the table, but he's a very bold, creative leader. So what does he do to shake it up? I, yeah, I don't see him lasting much longer without some... Ac- I think acquisitions, like, that. It, that's his thing. It's like, ah, but I, need ac- get, I need to acquire Acquisitions some- take so long. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not an overnight thing. It's something you've got to lay groundwork for. And maybe he has been working on some of these for a while, and he's going to come back and say, all right, unpause, let's continue talking about this. But yeah, two I years, think what, his main purpose is to pick a successor. Right. To get to get the for right a, people on the bus. Yeah. Get the the plan. Because again, back to business. It's it's cheaper to grow organically. And organically mm-hmm. means you have existing businesses. Let's grow the existing businesses and focus on that. It's a lot yeah. cheaper because when you acquire a company, you may acquire a six billion dollar company and then you you put your corporate stink on it and now it's a five million dollar company. So you've, you're losing money on that. There's a lot more risk. Now, Marvel paid off. Lucasfilm paid off eventually. Uh, Pixar paid off tremendously. So, And it's because he said, hey, we're just, we're just buying the name. You mm-hmm. do you. So continue to focus on, I think Fox is the right answer, Dan. Let's double down on this. Let's figure out a way to make this organic growth through something we already own that we haven't paid for fully yet. Let's get our money back. Avatar is a good example. We bought this and a part of that is this Avatar thing. Let's promote the hell out of it. Let's put it in the parks. And and if it's successful, then we can start paying off some of that debt because of this investment, right? I think they need maybe, to. I think games. What? Video games? Yeah. No, they've tried that so many times. And no, I mean, yeah. but, but but they haven't tried that model of like, you think let's just buy EA. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's smart because gaming. I don't Dude. think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna dive into the meta thing. No, um, that's ridiculous. Well, twenty years from now, you're not gonna say that. I think, but anyway. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like buy EA Sports or whatever. That's actually from an acquisition perspective. That's really smart. That yeah, makes sense. I think one thing that they already own that they need to keep working on is Fox Searchlight Pictures. Sure. Mm. It's a mid, it's a mid-level studio and we don't have a lot of those anymore. We have giant blockbusters, we have indie things. We need more mid-level, fairly cheap movies that 
appeal to a different crowd. Like think a 24, all of those a 24 movies that, that really, when you see that logo, you go, I'm interested. Even before you see the trailer, (laughs) you know, it's going to be something quirky, but it might be gross, but it's going to be good quality. (laughs) Right. That's interesting. That's that's it. We need to really push that mid-level studio aesthetic. I don't know if they have the studio space, like the physical space to film those movies but that's something right. that where they have a venue now disney doesn't have to it's like their touchstone or, or i was hollywood gonna say pictures. hollywood pictures touchstone yeah. um miramax right uh, there was another was it was it hollywood that did the horror stuff dimension that dimension, was disney yeah. yeah um and and so what what Iger did is consolidated a lot of that everything is just disney now uh there's disney animation there's live action there's pixar there's um that's it right yeah but the the industry has become so fragmented and fragmented being there's every streaming service and i mean there's just there's no more studio it's more you know i think maybe i'm wrong but it's more like we're building this thing we have this content we have this writer we have this director we have this producer and we're going to put it on a streaming service and somebody's going to own it you know, it's going to be HBO or it's going to be Paramount, yeah, whatever it, it is. Where is right? it distributed? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's great for uh, for creative content. And remember, Iger keeps driving creative content. That's what this company is. And Dan, in your notes, Disney is creative content. That's, that's their thing. So we're going to see an increased focus in that. What does that look like? Does it look like video games? Does it look like... Um, you know, cause they're not going to go out and buy, you know, DC also, you know, mm-hmm. when I think also in the notes, not to correct you, but just cause it furthers the point, uh, what I have is innovation in storytelling that is, that has been the brand from the very beginning. And I think, I think that's all what I have I'm to do is too, lean yeah. onto that and be like, okay, well, innovation in storytelling, we're buying just to use my example, we're buying this game company because we can innovate in this way that we can bring some of these properties into. And by the way, maybe some of these nerds can fix our, the, our apps that never work. Who knows? Right. <laughs> you know, and let the nerds be nerds and, yeah. and give them, give them the ability. And by the way, bring them into the next meeting to figure out how we make this theme park ride better. Right. And, and like they did it with the void. They, they had like majority ownership in the void and they were able to provide the content for this new engine of uh of virtual reality right right but i think eric what you you actually when you met, when you started to talk about fox, fox searchlight i was even thinking a24 and iger mm-hmm. is really good at recognizing this is a quality thing and if we support it we can benefit from it i wouldn't be surprised if a if they buy out a24 Axe Fox Searchlight, but that becomes Fox Searchlight because no one cares about Fox Searchlight, but people are caring about A24 right now. Right, right. Yeah, they're they're making all the waves. They're putting out all the movies that show up at the the RD theater that that you you want to. Well, some of us want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the theme parks. Um, another thing that that Iger talks about in his book is what Michael Eisner did well especially in his first 10 years, was going to lead me to another point, um, is he totally revolutionized the theme park industry for Disney. Theme parks and hotels. And theme parks and resorts were 30-something percent of the overall revenue of the, of the company. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's still the case, but they're a, a big moneymaker for the company. 
invest in that. And so the blue sky idea that they pitched at D23 gets greenlit. He's going to divert money to allow DeMauro and his team to be creative for that innovative content. All the words that he says support a statement that he's going to invest in innovative, creative content. Content is also theme park attractions. The the money's just going to be diverted to allow people to do what will make them money. Mm-hmm. And theme parks is a, is a low low hanging fruit. So well, I think the the Encanto Land and all that stuff just gets greenlit. And as as ridiculous as those rides were, like Magic Kingdom can definitely use that, especially with Universal doing what they're with doing with a new theme park. But right. I think at Disneyland, I think we're going to see prioritizing maintenance. Mm-hmm. The training is going to be better. Stuff like that. Because um, right now it's it's kind of disgusting to be i don't want to be that person right. but like it's nasty like it's and i think that there's going to be hopefully a tweaking maybe they the people below Iger and below tomorrow will now have the freedom to be able to like crank the water pressure just back up a little bit on the on the on the uh the sinks where you wash your hands you know right make sure that someone's you know, sweeping up every once in a while. And I know it's a staffing issue, but hey, guess what? Maybe they should be paying their If employees. you treat them better and pay them more, <laughs> you won't have an issue. Yeah. Right. Maybe there, we'll a, see a, a, a hike in the pay. Maybe. Maybe. There, I, there's think, a, I think he knows. I think he's able to see the writing on the wall well enough to see that that's just kind of what's going to have to happen eventually. There's a gas station chain called Bucky's. I don't know how far it goes. I think it's based in Texas. It's making yeah. its way east. Um, if you haven't been to Bucky's, it is a, a mega palace gas station. Maybe 80 gas pumps and a grocery store and a department store. And they make brisket and they have 80 fountain drinks and they win awards for cleanest bathrooms. They're usually in the middle of nowhere and they are crawling with wall-to-wall people that need to be staffed. Guess what? They have no staffing issues because they treat their employees well. Mm. Bob Iger also knows if you treat your employees well, they will treat their customers well. It is smart business. Every business leader that I know knows if you treat your people well, they will treat your customers well. It is a a return on investment is very high because you invest in your people, they will invest in you. And so I see that, Dan, to your point, I think that if Disneyland is now the place to work because I'm having a great job and I also get paid really well, I'm going to treat you, Dan. I'm going to program the the electric paper towel dispenser to give you 12 inches of paper towel instead of four or <laughs> right, whatever. Yeah. Rather <laughs> than the like perfect, you know, someone did the measure. The, uh, uh, this is the absolute minimum a person could need to get their hands reasonably dry. Yeah, like, you don't want to waste. On the floor. You right, don't want to waste. But, but, but you can feel that there is that in the back end of the park right now where it's just like, you. this is, we gave you technically enough where right. you just want to, at that point, I just want to like go to every paper towel thing and just waste because <laughs> they shouldn't do that. That's it's insulting. Yeah. So it's minutia, but it all, it's trickle down and I it all forgive, matters. The, forgive the statement trickle down, but you get my point. It's like it trickles down from the top and just, it all matters. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of what I see Iger having an impact over the next two years. But to your point, Eric, this is really about, 
um, succession. That's really what this is about. Okay. You left, things got bad, fix, first of all, fix what went wrong and put it right and then figure out who's going to continue your legacy. As a result, here's what I suggest predict will happen. Looking back again at Eisner and Frank Wells, one was an operating officer, one was a creative officer. Maybe not by title, but we make whomever is the successor, the chief, maybe there's a chief executive, and then there's a chief chief operating officer, and there's a chief creative officer. You create your Eisner-Wells combo. Yep. That doesn't have to be, should not be the person in charge. And maybe chief creative is head of Imagineering, maybe. Um, but I think if you make them an executive, then I think you get Eisner-Wells. And you and you you bake it into the corporate structure, which it yes. kind of, if it again we keep go we a lot of people keep going back to the model of Walton Roy. It mm-hmm. is baked sure. into this Same company. Model. Same yeah. model. Yeah, it's the culture. And Walton they've been Roy, operations creative, right? Eisner Wells operations creative, right? And for generations they've been like, no, it's let's try to it's just lightning in a bottle. Why don't we just like it's like no, this is what made it work. Historically, consistently, it worked because of this model. Let's make this an unbreakable thing. Let's go crazy with creative content, but not too crazy because we still have to make money and run a business. Right. But let the, <laughs> and you put, have the yin and yang. Put the creative person in a position where it's like, no, go crazy. That is literally your job. And it's this person's job to figure out how or if it should happen. To reel in the crazy. Right. I don't need three feet of paper towel. Oh, I just, you know, it's a great idea, but let's just reel it in a little bit. Let's, let's make split a right the difference. <laughs> Paper towel mountain. Paper towel to right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. Slide on out of that bathroom. That sort of <laughs> sums up my my overall thinking of what what he can do, what he should do, what he will do. Predictions of that. Do you guys have anything else you want to surmise or predict? I have a Charlie horse right now. That's really. Oh, mm. <laughs> Really making this interesting. Oh, Charlie. Will. Nobody <laughs> wants to play with a Charlie in the box, so I had to come here. Listen, will, scraping the vault. Oh, will wow. The, will the people move <laughs> I let or come back? Toys. What's that? Will the people move or come back? Does no. this impact people mover? If it hasn't already, it won't. It, it, as soon as Willem Dafoe, um, I, I, I don't know where i was going with that i just when you said will i thought of will got it yeah sorry as soon as willem dafoe makes a movie called the people mover (laughs) it makes a movie called spaceship earth there's a reason it's there's a reason it's not it's not back dan and it's it's not just because somebody decided it shouldn't come back because if you look at disney world it's a i mean it's consistently popular it's consistently 20 30 minute wait people like it yeah but it's a revitalization project. And if they decide to revitalize Tomorrowland, why wouldn't it come back? It doesn't make sense for it not to come back. Right. But if structurally it can't be supported, then why is it still physically there? That's that's the thing. Is I and I don't I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think I think it's possible, not necessarily likely, but to me it makes a lot of sense for at some point, Josh Tomorrow. Knock, knock, knock. Hello, Mr. I. Okay, Bob. I, hi, Bob. Um, <laughs> it's too painful still. Here, here are the drawings. I know we've had this conversation before, and I know what people have said, but let's be per- perfectly honest. It's probably easier in the long run to bring this thing back than it is 
to have it be this ugly thing that people constantly ask, what is it? Let me ask you this. How will it make me money? How will investing however many millions of dollars in this thing that we got rid of because nobody wrote it, how will it make me But they didn't get rid of money? it because nobody wrote it. They got rid yeah. of it because... Yeah, they sure did. They wow. got I feel rid like of I'm listening to a yellow strap here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, how's it going to make... How's it going to make the... How's it going to pay back the shareholder? Merchandise. We can do all sorts of people move merchandise. We can... And just functionally speaking, if we're talking about this being this park being having a capacity issue, this people are itching to ride this thing. All we have to do is do it well, and they will love well, it more than they ever did. IP. I don't know. Here's if that, the thing about IP, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. When Disneyland was built, he didn't have enough money, so he brought in other organizations to sponsor attractions. They don't do that anymore because they don't need it anymore. And so the sponsor of the attraction is the intellectual property, i.e. the animation studio, Pixar. One of these other businesses that are EA profitable games. businesses, sure, is sponsoring this attraction. So that's what that's what IP means. If you think about IP... General Electric is intellectual property. It's just not Disney owned. So now this intellectual property that Disney happens to own is all of a sudden bad because it's IP. I don't know. But it's I, always okay. been there. Okay. So I admit bringing the people mover back is a little bit of a fixation for people. And it's probably not super like the, the problem is that they closed it. And I think they that, closed it because nobody wrote it. Right. Okay. Not but, enough. But okay. So we're still, we're stuck with three options that I can think of realistically. One, you just leave it there gathering leaves in perpetuity. Two, you destroy it, which is going to cost a ton of money and you're going to have to close down a lot of area around it. It's going to be a giant project. You're going to have to shut down. Utopia, submarines, probably points, monorail. Yeah. You're gonna it's in gonna, the entrance. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a major to do. You're gonna have to shut down the Astro Orbiter, all of it. You're gonna have to shut it down for a period of time. Maybe not all at the same time, but it's gonna have to happen. That itself has a cost. Or you just bite the bullet and say, like, you know what? Let's do it at the lowest cost possible. Let's bring it back, do it well, and publicize the hell out of it because people, there's a whole like, people love this thing that they never went on. And yeah, maybe okay. that's ridiculous, but he, here's, here's my response. Yeah. If you keep it, people keep talking about it. If you get rid of it, people stop talking about it. Because right now it seems all you have to do is put some cars on there and you got the ride back. No, because I see case. it. Yeah. If you get rid of it, altogether then people shut up but man the, it is very expensive to do demolition yes yeah, the sure. reason why river country lay right rotting well at that the thing is river country is not in the middle of a theme park yeah. True. so people don't see it it gets grown over and nobody sees it so if it's if i'm continuing to have to walk around the beams of it and it's a bottleneck for strollers get rid of it Maybe not all of it, but get rid of some of it and then people shut up about it. But do you think well, it costs, it would cost more overall with all of the associated costs 
to fix it or to destroy it? I don't know the answer to that. And mm-hmm. and the thing about the the just keeping it and putting the cars back on it, is it structurally sound? Did rocket rods ruin it? I don't know. We, there's don't, conflicting. There's right. conflicting so reports on right. that. Um, you're not going to put as much wear and tear with the slower moving vehicle. But if you put, if they keep it, third option, they, they keep it, invest in, you know, kind of revamping it, restructuring, whatever it is, it's going to have to include some IP in that this is not now the Tron people mover or the, or the Star Wars, whatever it is. It's going to be some kind of themed thing. Now, the only, the only thing that gives me pause in that statement is the adventure land tree. Right. That is not currently IP. It is definitely interesting progress and it's definitely going to be an SEA overlay. Mildly. Yeah. I mean, there's already a poster with C in it in the daughter's room. Right. But what I, what I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that it's not going to be like the C tree. It's just like, there's the adventure land tree or whatever it is, which is a nice way to do it. You know? Sure. I don't know if that's going to be the official title. Maybe it's a working title. The adventure land tree. The adventure land tree with featuring the Swiss family Robinson, Mm. something like that. And there's a little unwieldy voice of the dad. Um, (laughs) I think, I so I don't disagree, Jimmy, with what you're saying about there needing to be IP needing and light quotes. Um, I just wonder if a ride like the People Mover, like that sort sort of type of ride, it does that warrant not having an IP just simply based on the fact that it might be harder to find an IP that fits. When really, you know, it's like it's a transportation thing. Right. But I'm I'm going back to IP. If you can if you can work with me on this. No, I I got that. I I, I get what you're saying about IP could be Goodyear, could be any of that stuff. Yeah, right. It's income. It's a sponsor. So you need a sponsor for the attraction. I agree with you on sponsor. But when we talk about IP, I I don't know that we need that. Semantically. Yes. It's the same. Mm, Okay. What I'm suggesting is that. A sponsor and IP are the same. Goodyear tires is IP. It equals merchandise. It equals investment from a company. And that company would be an animation studio that we happen to own. It's the same. Yeah. Conceptually. You know what I mean? That's an interesting point. Yeah. Is Disney Animation Studios writing a check to Disney for for this ride no but are they recognizing revenue because of the thing that i'm going to sell merchandise for that's on this ride yes it is every bit a sponsor Hmm. (laughs) business this episode is sponsored by business Somebody had to cut that that, that yeah. tension. Well, I, yeah, if I may, I think I made my point. No, you did. And I just think I think that uh, I think that where I get lost is, and I I agree with you about like they are functionally the same thing, um, but I can't philosophically for my own brain. I see them as separate, and that's that's, that, that's just a matter of how do we look at the thing. And, that, that, and they are know. they are separate in the way that. If you make people mover Moana themed, yeah, yeah, that Disney Animation work. Studios is not going to write a check to support the the investment in that, right? 
um, versus Goodyear, who is going to write a check, right? So, so they are different in that in that fashion, right? But it's no longer necessary to go get money from Goodyear because we're already generating revenue from the Moana people uh, and that movie and people who download it and people who buy the DVD and buy the dolls and everything else. We're generating that revenue and we're going to recognize that revenue invested over here, back in Moana, Disney Plus, Disney Plus People Mover, yes. <laughs> Sure. People. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Disney Plus writes a check to Disneyland. No, I'm actually very serious about this because then you could sell mer- people move merchandise and that would help Disney Plus. Well, you know, the other thing it could be back to Wreck-It Ralph, not that we were ever talking about it. Um, <laughs> I'm always talking about it in my heart. The, the overlay could be, if you think about the Play Pavilion or whatever, it could be a Wreck-It Ralph going to the internet thing where you see... ESPN, you see, and it, it becomes a screen ride. It's not coming back parts. as the people mover. I don't disagree with you in in theory, but we need to get. I think that they need to get away from a place where it's just like the internet is the place where magic happens. It's just it's like a public utility at this point. Well, I, I think just we're spitballing at right. this point. No, but no, no. I, I, yeah, yeah. I get anyway, it. Anyway, in the interest of our listeners, many of them new. Thank we're you. now going to talk about. Uh, Main Street USA in the history of all each one of the uh, vehicles, the horse drawn carriage. Uh, and we're going to talk about the each of the horses and their lineage yes, and their as it goes back to how many. Uh, we're talking about Boots which one get by which ones yep. are Kim Irvine's favorite. <laughs> yeah, let's start the show. Our main topic. Our main topic right, today enough warm up. is yeah. Um, yeah. So did you? You know, Peanut, the the Clydesdale horse that's on the horse-drawn carriage, was actually a direct descendant of Seabiscuit. What? I don't know. I'm just making it up. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, guys, I think we covered it pretty well. Do you have anything else you'd like to discuss or speculate before we close up the old fun bag? Uh, Just Bob Iger, if you're listening to this, thank you for Twin Peaks. And if you haven't seen Twin Peaks, you need to watch it. Yeah, you've seen it. And uh, he ultimately is the one who decided to move it to Saturday night because <laughs> creative differences with David Lynch. Because his whole thing was, I want to know who killed this lady. Oh, and now David I, Lynch, okay. David Lynch is go. like, that's so not the point. That. Why haven't that's you told us point. yet, David? <laughs> that's not the point of the show. No, I, it is. I don't, <laughs> yeah, Mark Frost the point came is after not Lynch. <laughs> that's it. And so David Lynch is like, uh, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then when he did it, it's like, oh, show's over. So he greenlit it and then ruined it. Yeah, basically. That's awesome. By his own admission, but he it did all his mistake. Uh, no, thank you for Cop Rock. Uh, thank you for a delightful oh. book. I'm going to finish reading it on my way to one of your theme parks on Monday. Tuesday, I'm driving to Orlando and going to Epcot with 14 of my colleagues and we're going to drink around the world and mm. we're going to do it the right way which is and an ECV not in an ECV we're oh. not doing ECVs we're going to walk um, but we're going to give ourselves four hours yeah giving Ooh. ourselves four hours to do 11 drinks we're going to start in France and end in the United Kingdom as it should oh, be oh so you're you're going international gateway okay that's right yeah uh, we're going to Uber li- or oh, Lyft yes Uber or Lyft, go ahead. To uh, wherever they'll let us Uber or Lyft, probably to the Swan and Dolphin. Mm-hmm. And we're going to walk in. We're going to buy uh, lightning lanes oh. for Guardians. 
and we're going to ride that. Mm-hmm. And then we might ride some rides, but we're mostly going to drink around the world and give the Disney company a lot of money. All right. <laughs> and if you, listener, would like to give the Walt Disney Company a lot of money and plan a trip to Walt Disney World and where you can also drink around the world, which I think you should do in an ECV, but whatever. That's right. Well, uh, you should. Jimmy, but how would they be able to do together? that? Well, they would call 856 Our Ears and listener, or you can go to concierge.com or you can email. Uh, one of us, I happen to be, I don't want to say, um, but anyway, so it's, it's a concierge is a vacation planning service. You've heard us talk about it before. It is a really unique service. We're not just going to book your tickets or buy your tickets for you or whatever, help you buy tickets. We're going to help you plan your vacation. You heard about us talking about touring plans. I have a subscription to touring plans. I will give you for free, including, you know, what you ever you pay Disney for the stuff. I'm going to give you a plan. You haven't been, haven't been in a while. You've been, but you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff right now, reservations, whatever. I'll tell you based on what you tell me where you should go first, what you should do after that, when to take a break, when to eat, where to eat, that kind of thing. There's a lot of detail. We'll take the guesswork out of your vacation as opposed to just most of these companies that are sponsors of other things. They'll take your money and they'll help you book, but that's kind of where it ends. I told the story about my dentist where they had this vacation plan. It's like all they did was just help me buy the stuff. But then if I wanted any ideas or suggestions, they didn't, you know, I'm about to have my fourth meeting with a family. They're going in December. They're going to Caribbean beach and star Wars hotel. We sat, we planned, then we bought. Then we did a dining meeting. Then I bought their dining or then I reserved their dining for them. And we're going to have another meeting where I sit down and go park by park with them and show them what to do, where to go based on their interests. So uh, I have no more wave files. So hopefully we're still recording. And if someone uh, should happen to want to figure out how to rent an ECV from an outside vendor so that they can drink around the world the proper way, unlike some people that we know, uh, you can help them with that. That's true. Uh, We can help you with transportation from the MCO or from Orange County or whatever. We can help you with all that stuff. One-stop shop, 856-hour-ears. There are other shows on the network. Uh, Scraping the Vault is a sleeper hit. You should listen to it. The hosts, uh, one of the former hosts of uh, Ears Up, Terrence, listens to it. He loves it. (laughs) One of the current hosts of Ears Up, Eric, listens to it. He loves it. The hosts of Bantha Milk podcast listen to it. They love it. Mm-hmm. We get texts every time and they just they, there's some kind of comment. It's a it's a fun show. Uh, the 90% of you who don't listen should go and listen. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's good content. It's fun. It's funny. We did mention every this episode, is our 69th show, right? I did mention did. it at the outset and we you did. didn't say a word about it. This is our oh. 69th episode. Episode 69. Oh. Huh? Oh, Asher. It just happens to be my favorite number. If you know what I mean. But seriously, why is that number funny? <laughs> well, should should we explain it? Or probably I not, don't right? think it's no. appropriate. Maybe okay. we can explain it on Scraping the Vault because I mean, that was a little not bit. It's not appropriate. It's just less probably censored. not. I mean, he's not our kid is what I'm saying. That's true. That's fair. Maybe Jason can explain well, it. Well, the thing is, if we explain it to him, we're explaining it to thousands and thousands of people. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, we'll figure it out. When He's a mom and dad really love each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't want to make more ashers. <laughs> 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 
That's true. <laughs> um, hey, what can people do if they really like our show? Rate and review us. Guys, we, we get a lot of really good feedback, but I haven't gotten an email in like forever. Um, but yeah, send us a, a rate right and review us on. So I went on to one of these search engines and I searched Disneyland or Disney World and we're just not showing up anywhere. And the reason why is because we're not getting rated and reviewed. Um, so if we get rated and reviewed, then if you search for Disneyland, Disney World in a podcast search engine, will come up at a, at a higher level. So if you want to support us, and by all means, you don't have to. Listening is enough. We appreciate it. Um, but if you'd like to take a minute while you're on your phone, maybe you're on the John, just go into your podcast catcher app that you're using and rate and review us. Five stars would be great. A nice little review. We like to read those on air. Uh, we had a nice one on Scraping the Vault the other day, uh, Scraping My Brain from Rob. <laughs> Jimmy, um, I, you said you haven't gotten an email in a while. I might want to check out your. Oh, uh, geez. Not your. Bob Chapek sent me an email. I don't know. It's not. I don't. I don't think it was sent to your ears up, though. I think it was just the first thing. Oh. Uh, no. So, oh, Bob Chapek. <laughs> I just got an email from Bob Chapek, everybody. Uh, Bobby Chapek's at gmail.com. This is nice show. I'm on the John. He listened. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> That's great. I hope he's doing well and enjoying his wiping his butt with his $20 million. Uh, also, there's Ears Up In Depth, Ears Up, uh, Bantha Milk Podcast. See, guys, I respect you. I say your show right. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Took me a couple years, but I made Got it. Got thrown. Bantha Milk Podcast. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening. Also, here's another thing. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to provost park past you and tell you that you're special. Um, mm. But... This is a particularly uh, troubling time of year. We're in a very sort of tumultuous, interesting political climate and and all the things going on. We get siloed. We talked about algorithms. Uh, your truth will find you. Um, it's the holiday season. Some people can be very lonely, even if there are people around them. So just we acknowledge and understand that it is a uh, it's a difficult time. And being kind to one another is more important now than maybe ever. And I'm not going to make extremist statements like this is the most important election ever, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, but it's just, it's, it's important more than ever now to, to find kindness. And I promise you that just because you don't agree with the other half of the country that voted for a particular person... You can hate the person they voted for, but you can't hate the person because that's half of the country. And we agree on more things than we don't agree on. Um, so just be good to each other. And Dan, do you have anything else to add? Um, I don't know. Do I, do I feel a little bit called out here? <laughs> just kidding. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm, I, I, I don't. What what you said is 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 very very good, very appropriate. Um, Sorry to go straight to the joke thing. Uh, let me think. Yes. Um, I understand that it can be difficult and um, there's help to be had out there. And the people around you who are possibly concerned might not know to tell you to get the help that you need. Um. But I am. 
and yeah, if and, and that Dan, matters, you've, you've then, had some, you've had difficulties recently, right? You're, yeah, you're having a yeah. hard time, and well, you're I don't not know the that only being one. Being in the middle of it is the best time to talk about it, but um, yeah, sometimes no, no, I certainly don't need to. I just, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's so, sometimes things uh, suck, but remember that things also tend to get better. Things get better. That's another thing. Not to bring it back to Iger, but but in his book, it's like this too shall pass. Yeah. It's not always going to be like this. Right. And it it's, may be it's, hard now. It's especially important to remember that even if you might not have uh, the ability in the current moment to recognize that cyclical thing, um, right. you can at least objectively recognize that it's true. Because when you're in it, it's hard to see oh, that it's, it's going to change. It's absolutely impossible. Yeah, but it will yeah. change, especially if you're open to it and you allow it. Yeah. And we have a lot of ownership in our own destiny, um, you know, choices we make, whatever, own your mistakes and and just, just find help because it's okay. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Mm-hmm. And Eric, I don't know if you can add to that. It, yeah. It's something I've talked about a lot on on Ears Up, not quite as much on this show, but but yeah, voice your voice, your concerns, advocate for yourself, speak up, because if you just suffer quietly, nobody knows. Um, and healthcare is is a is a difficult business right now um, working as a, a member of the healthcare industry. Um, yeah. Advocate for yourself. Push. Make your your concerns out loud. Keep keep talking about your problems, keep telling people what you need and don't just wait for good things to happen. Right. Um, Make them happen for you. Yeah. You've heard the term, make your own luck. It's a lot of it is, is work hard. You got to work hard. Right. Um, but you know, there's, there's, they're not an advertiser, but there are organizations that can help. They're anonymous. Uh, betterhelp.com comes to mind. It's just, it's one of those things that you don't have to necessarily go go to the yellow pages, if you will, uh, and try to find something. There, there are a lot of resources. You don't have to go to an office. You can find help. Yeah, very also, flexible. Another thing that I've learned about, back to business, because that's what this episode is sponsored by. Um, <laughs> sponsored by business. What I've found is that people enjoy helping other people. It's okay to ask for help. Even if it's a friend, it's a family member, a parent, it's like, I need help right now. And it's okay. Because you know what? People really enjoy helping other people. They like help solving problems. They like, you know, talking through things. Um, and it's okay. And, you know, you know, we're here to help. Email, email us. Jimmy, I mean, honestly, if, 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 if that's where you're at, then yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we should be anyone's first line of contact for that kind of stuff but yeah if you're you're there just reach out to somebody even us you know yeah and i think um there's there's a thing that people can do i know i'm certainly guilty of it where you can think well why aren't the people that i care about uh, reaching out why can't they see that i'm going through what i'm going through why can't you know all these things we're all grown-ass adults and at some point it becomes, I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to a podcast about Bob Iger, you're probably an adult. Um, <laughs> but I think um, at some point it becomes kind of out of fashion to be like, hey, you seem kind of down. What's up? Not that it should be or not. It just kind of is. And it feels weird at some point to like try to caretake your friends, even though that might be what they need. If that's what you need, let people know. 
But just let, yeah, just tell them. That's that's fair, Dan. And because you know everybody else has their own stuff going on, they don't want to impose. You know, yeah, or they they're not thinking about it because they have their own thing or whatever it is. But yeah, everybody wants to help other people, so don't be afraid to ask. And we really appreciate you listening. We hope that if nothing else, we offer some sort of escape. Uh, our shows tend to be a little long. Uh, we're long in the tooth, but we have fun and we talk about things that we know that you love to talk about because you're listening. So hopefully this offers you some kind of respite uh, in the interim. But um, I guess the long and the short of it is be good to each other. Show acts of kindness, it, it, especially this time of year. There can be a lot of loneliness because there's so much on TV or YouTube or whatever about families and being together. And not everybody has that. Not everybody has that sort of warm hearth and home and decorations and all that stuff. It just, it's not exclusive to everybody. So just be aware of that. Yeah. And if, Take a if, minute. if, if you are somebody who does have all of that and there's someone in your life who does not have it, I can tell you as somebody who's been on both sides of that uh, equation, sometimes it's better to just look, reach out and say, Hey, I know yeah. this is hard and I don't expect it to not be. Not why aren't you cheering? Why aren't you happy right. about this? Like, come on, that's smile. the worst thing that you could do. Right. For, in some time, in some situations, I mean, you sh- you know the people in your lives. At, at, sometimes it's okay to just be like, "Hey, I know you're probably having a rough time, and I'm here if you need me." Sometimes you're trying to build a waterfall in your backyard, and it doesn't work exactly, and you need to hire. <laughs> Sometimes you're, trying to, sometimes you're trying to give the Kong that you lovingly filled with <laughs> treats and peanut butter to your dog. And it just looks at you like an idiot while it licks it. And you're like, take the Kong, which is exactly <laughs> what it feels like to work in education. There you go. Full circle. Right. Hey, thank you, listener. <laughs> we really appreciate your your support. We we hope you enjoyed this episode. I, you know, Listen, patting ourselves on the back, I've, I've read, listened to, watched numerous speculation videos, and I, I feel like this is probably the most substantiated of all the discussions. Uh, yes, there's speculation, but I think just with the color of reading Iger's book recently again, uh, I think we had a lot more sort of reasoned discussion. Um, and you know, hopefully all the things come true that we all want, but the reality is it's a business and we need to think about what decisions are going to be made and how is it making them money at the end of the day. Right. Uh, but anyway, we had fun. Thank you guys. Uh, other shows, contact us, rate and review concierge and be good to each other. Happy holidays. See you in the parks. As we go out, I'm just going to read from Do it. Kim Irvine's book about her experience with the Disneyland horses it's from page 15. I remember as I approached Buttercup, he looked at me with a sense of familiarity and I almost asked Buttercup asking himself, why do I know this person? And I thought, well, it's because you see, my mom was Madame Leota. Fresh baked. <laughs> <laughs>
so I guess if this is episode 69 that means you've done this 69 times. Of all the times that you've done this show are 69 times, and there are 68 of these leading up a 69th one, that's a lot of shows. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the joke I get. Sorry, Ray Masher. Oh, we got it? Uh, that's good. <laughs> okay. I liked it. <laughs>